Welcome in to the Blitz and Buckets podcast. My name is Jaden Kozak. I am joined today by my guest co-host, Mr. Mitchell McDonald. Mitchell, how are you doing? Doing great. It's been a little rainy out, but it's we've been needing this cold front. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're about to head into the autumn months. I mean, it's about to start being hoodie season. Get your coats and everything. No more shorts. I mean, perfect football weather, baby. Cooler. Oh, yeah. Football weather coming up on Thursday. I know. Yes, there are two days. We are recording this on Tuesday, September 7th. There are two days until the season starts and we have two division outlooks or two division wrap ups outlooks and the week one outlook to put out. We're going to try and sprint to put these out. Uh, and then obviously we're going to try and do week by week content for the NFL season. But for right now, we're at the NFC South. So as we're going to be doing today and the NFC South starts at the bottom with the Atlanta Falcons who finished four and 12 last year. And it was, it was not good. It wasn't great. You know, the best part probably Calvin Ridley's emergence with Julio in and out of the lineup and nothing really to speak about on offense or defense. Calvin Ridley was a huge highlight for them. I don't think there's going to be any disagreement there that that was the best thing that happened. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, but the worst was the pass defense. I believe it rated dead last in the league. So they definitely needed to make some improvements, but didn't make those improvements this offseason. And I don't really know why. I feel like at four where they were picking, and yes, the generational talent of Kyle Pitts, who we'll get into in a second, was there. but. Do you think they could have maybe traded down to grab one of those top corners? Uh, they could have, but I don't know if they would have gotten what they wanted in return because they knew the threat of Kyle Pitts being gone. And they're already so bad on defense. Might as well just sell out for one side of the ball at yeah. this point and try yeah. to hope for free agents. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop anybody, so you might as well just try and outscore them. So yeah, very very quiet season for the Falcons who have just been on the steady decline for the last few years, ever since the Super Bowl year. Um, to three. <laughs> which kind of take, <laughs> yeah. Which takes us to their off season in which they finally got rid of Dan Quinn. Who's been very lackluster. Didn't really bring in what they wanted them to from coming from Seattle and they hire an offensive coordinator the Titans former offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith, the one who's been the architect behind that Titans offense that has been so successful the last few years. What do you think of the Arthur Smith signing? I truly do not know if that's going to work. And he just seems like a bridge coach to me because he really? kind of coasted off the fact that he had a freak athlete at running back and just made the deadliest play action offense in the league. Mike Davis is not exactly yeah. Derrick Henry. <laughs> No, no, he's not. But Wayne Gallman could be, right? Right? Wayne Gallman. <laughs> For all the people that had Mike Davis that kind of freaked freaked everyone out, Wayne Gallman. Uh, yeah, I feel like a change in like, okay, you had the defensive coordinator, but you had one of the worst defenses. Now, you know, I, they're really buying in on offense. They're just going to try and outscore teams. And, you know, Calvin Ridley with Russell Gage and whoever else they have, Kyle Pitts, obviously. And Mike Davis with uh, – 
36, 37, 30, probably not that old. Matt Ryan, like you're, I don't know how many games they're going to win next year. It's really could full a two tight end set since they still have Hurst there. Yeah. And that would be good enough on the, they both block enough to work. And even then you could not only run a two tight end set, but you could also run Pitts as a wide receiver. He obviously has that talent. He was the best player available at number four. And there's an argument to be made that he was the best player available at number one, obviously positional value. You're not going to take a tight end at number one over Trevor Lawrence who's a generational quarterback, but as far as if you're looking at like, you know, how he would grade out, Kyle Pitts was probably the highest player in the draft this year. So it's never a bad idea to go best player available. But when you lose a guy like Julio Jones, it's nice to replace him with somebody that has, you know, similar, a similar aura surrounding him. Generational talent. Yeah. Where he's that freak athlete. And like I said, they did get rid of Julio Jones this offseason, and they sent him to Tennessee, where Arthur Smith came from, for a second and sixth round pick. What did you think of that deal? I thought they got a surprising amount of value for an aging wide receiver in his last year, and more power to the Falcons for it. Now, it, it's definitely going to hurt, but that offense is pretty potent already, so there's only so much damage it could do when he was missing about half the season anyway. And I feel like you gotta you've gotta start accumulating picks because there's a lot of things you need to address. Like in the next probably two to three years, you gotta start looking at quarterback again. You've obviously got the entire secondary to work on, and your front seven isn't that stout either. You've got Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones who are, you know, pretty above average players, but there there's a lot to work on on this team. You've got a couple stars at a couple positions, but after that it's very, very quiet. And the line is meh at best. Yeah. Yeah, it's and they lost Alex Mack this offseason, I believe, to San Francisco. So, you know, that doesn't help at all either, because especially because he was probably the best offensive lineman on that team and, you know, savvy veteran that they've had for a little bit now. Um, but they also lose Keanu Neal, who was a pretty big part of that Super Bowl run. Granted, it was three or four years ago. But and then, like we mentioned, they signed Mike Davis, which I'm not super high on Mike Davis, not, you know, as a running back or in fantasy, just because I think a lot of his production last year came from being what Christian McCaffrey, like them using him exactly how they used Christian McCaffrey. And you saw the pretty steady decline as the year went on, you know, once people started to figure out, okay, he's not really that good a football player. So, you know, maybe they can scheme him up, but. I just don't see a lot of, you know, I don't see a thousand plus yard season from Mike Davis this upcoming season. So that would probably take us to ceiling and floor. What are you thinking for the Falcons? My opinion on their ceiling is they can go at most seven wins and floor probably three because that offense is going to be good enough to snag a game or two away from somebody. Yeah, I agree. probably ceiling. They are. I mean, I wouldn't call it a tough division, but they're definitely the worst team in this division. And they do have to play the Bucks twice a year. They do have to play the Saints twice a year, which are both considerably better teams than they are. And that defense is really bad. It's it's really really bad. So 
I'd say ceiling, probably six wins floor. Like, yeah, like you said, the offense is going to be able to win them a couple games against bad defenses, bad teams. So ceiling two to three wins, but yeah, it's, it's probably not going to be very good. And they're going to be in a position to take a quarterback next year. Oh yeah. They need if something. they so choose. Yeah. All right. Which would move us on to the Panthers who went five and 11 last year. It was became somewhat of a lost season about two games in when you lose your far and away, your best player in Christian McCaffrey, but they did have some young players, some draft picks that they've had the past two ish, two to three years. Jeremy Chin finished second in defensive rookie of the year voting, which came to a lot. Like I was talking to you, I was talking to a couple of my friends and that came to our surprise because it felt like Chase Young was so far and away defensive rookie of the year that nobody really talked about who was coming in second place. Jeremy Chin had a pretty good year and Derek Brown, their first round pick also, you know, wasn't outstanding, but he wasn't bad. He was probably better than fellow defensive tackle that was picked Javon Kinlaw from San Francisco. And then Brian Burns continues to, you know, improve his game. And he could be moving into that upper echelon of pass rushers here in these next two to three years. He shows a lot of potential. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you'd agree that was the only bright spots from Carolina last year. I really like the improvements they made in the passing game because Robbie Anderson did not seem like he could be a solid one or two receiver rather than just a slot guy, but he's, he took a step up DJ Moore, about as steady as he always is. And with that young defense, they've been investing so much into it. Once Brady's out of this division, they could really make some noise, but it's still two or three years away in the process from them actually being a true contender. And, you know, obviously the worst, probably the CMC injury. It's, I mean, when, when Christian McCaffrey goes down, especially with a team like that, it's just trying to see what you can get from other players. If they made the playoffs, great. They weren't going anywhere, but you know, you're, you're kind of just throwing in the season when you're ultra superstar who does everything in the running and receiving game goes down. I don't. Yeah. 2000 yard player. That's hard to make up for. Yeah. But he will be returning this season, so quite honestly, that that's a plus in itself heading into next year. But another plus, I suppose, that they made this offseason was trading for Sam Darnold. They finally get some upside at quarterback ever since Cam Newton, which feels like so long ago that he was in Carolina, but it really wasn't. But they get Sam Darnold for a second, a fourth, and a sixth, which, you know, there could be some debate there as to – did they maybe give up too much to get Sam Darnold? I believe they gave up just a little more than they needed to because he's not that much of an improvement over what Teddy Bridgewater was bringing to the table, but there is the upside that Darnold brings compared to Teddy. Yeah. And I mean, he was the third overall pick just two years ago, three years ago. And I I remember looking at mocks and stuff, right before that, like 20 minutes before the draft started and they had him going to Cleveland. So it's not like he was like a shoe in to go at three or whatever. He was arguably the best player in that draft and ended up falling to three 
with the really, really hard to function on the New York Jets. I can't really blame him. I've always been a big Darnold guy. I would have liked to see him come to Pittsburgh, but obviously the timing wasn't right. He became available one year too early. So I, I have high hopes for Darnold. The worries that I had for him when he was coming out was that he just did not respond well to pressure. And that's exactly what he faced just about every game on the Jets. So yeah, going to a team with actual weapons might distract from the pass rush as much. So he might actually shine through a little bit this season. Yeah. And I, I do think that they have a very underrated group of, you know, weapons. They obviously have Christian McCaffrey. He's your biggest X factor. Everyone knows about that, but DJ Moore, I think is super underrated. Robbie Anderson, I think is super underrated. Terrence Marshall is getting like super big fantasy talk. Don't really know where that came from. Like dynasty league. Sure. But like I'm seeing people saying, take him in like your top 25 wide receivers when he's probably the third best receiver on his team. Fourth, if you count Christian McCaffrey, um, they don't really have that great of a tight end, but you know, they've got some weapons there and they're starting to invest in that deep or they've been investing in that defense and they continue to do that with the draft pick of JC Horn, who I had as the second best corner in this class. I had him uh, behind Patrick Sertain had Caleb Farley been healthy. I probably would have had him over JC Horn as well, but they take him at eight. They take him as the first corner off the board and the first defensive player off the board, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. He was. What did you think of the, yeah, what did you think of the J.C. Horn pick? I actually really liked it because he was on probably the bottom of the barrel of the SEC teams, and he held his own against every team he played, and he's got a really good body type for playing against those bigger receivers. So I'm, I like his upside enough, and they've already invested a ton in the defense, so they can gamble a little for a guy who's a high reward but still – a pretty moderate risk. Yeah. Additionally, as far as offseason moves go, obviously, you know, you bring in Sam Darnold, so you get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. Not really any need for him. He ends up going to Denver. They lose Mike Davis because you get Christian McCaffrey back, and you, you didn't expect anything of what you got out of Mike Davis last year. Um, so you just let him walk. And they drafted Chuba Hubbard to – come in and I guess just play that Mike Davis role of if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, we have this guy. And then they also extended Taylor Moton, Moton, Moton. Don't know if that's how you say his last name or not. But that pretty much wraps up their offseason uh, ceiling floor for the Panthers. Ceiling, seven wins as well, floor. I'm going to say five. I, I don't think they do worse than they did last year because they've only improved and in- they have an extra game to make up for it if they aren't hot yeah. at any point. Yeah. I, I find it really hard to believe they're like a, they're a, an above 500 team, but I really do like them this year. Like I, they have a lot of good players at a lot of key positions, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver Derek, I, I can't I mean, say quarterback. I can't. Yeah. Well, running back. When you have Christian McCaffrey running back becomes a very important position. I kind of like what Darnold brings. I think a change of scenery, get him out of New York, give him all these weapons to work with. The talent was there. He might be a really good, like, sneaky pick in DraftKings this week just because he's playing his old team, and you got to imagine revenge is on the mind. Revenge game, yeah. 
just little quick little sidebar, Le'Veon Bell just signed with the Ravens, and I can't wait to see the Le'Veon Bell revenge game posts, and then he runs for seven yards on four carries. I, I can't wait for that once that inevitably comes around because that's definitely going to happen. Well, if but, he's even off the practice squad. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, if he, even, if he even gets a helmet. Um, but back to the Panthers. Um, I can't see them being a winning team, so I'm probably sitting around seven or eight wins for the ceiling. But I don't think the floor is too low either because this team is just too talented. It all rides on Sam Donald. If Sam Donald can, like, just explode, maybe they could be a winning team. I think they could because the Saints – he just needs to make yeah. critical plays down the stretch that veteran quarterbacks make. And that's yeah. like a four or five win difference in this team is if he yeah. makes good decisions and just try and limit mistakes, which have been a somewhat of a problem, but again, playing with the jets. Um, so yeah, floor five ceiling eight, I'll go with that. which takes us, this was one that I didn't really know what to do with because technically the bucks had the worst record, but we're going to save them for last because they won the super bowl. So next up is the Saints, who finished 12 and 4 last year. We're the division winner somehow. Because if you look at this division, like even I, I knew it happened, but it's still weird to write down that the Bucks were not the winner of their own division when like now we think of the Bucks and we're like, there's no way they lose more than three games this year. And the team is exactly the same as it was last year. But the Saints, the best for them. I had, I had trouble picking a best. The defense was good. I honestly, I just put regular season because as, you know, hectic as it was, they still finished 12 and four. They beat the Bears in the playoffs. So, I mean, who cares? They, <laughs> they took down the MVP, but I, I put the best as the regular season. If you have anything at all, Please tell me because I don't want to have the final thing be the regular I mean, season. Best thing was having a year of Jameis Winston watch an actual quarterback play and learn how to process a playbook in defense. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that, that's a very good point because looks like he's going to be the starter. They didn't sign anybody else. They did sign Taysom Hill to like $100 million worth of fake money. But <laughs> – He's got monopoly money, a hundred million yeah. monopoly time. Yeah. The worst probably is the Michael Thomas injury because even though, you know, the memes and everything have kind of tainted our view of Michael Thomas, he was he did just set the record for most catches in a season just a season ago. And then he goes down and only plays like five games last year. So not having him there. Plus the Drew Brees injury, which you know, you lose your starting quarterback. Granted, you you did get to see Jameis a little bit, so that was kind of a good thing. But you you're trying to win a Super Bowl, so you want to have your best guy in there. Um, but it was it was kind of a wreck. I was surprised that they won 12 games with how much stuff was going on around in New Orleans. But yeah, not well. The Bucks were still finding themselves, and that's kind of yeah. why they swept the regular season series. Dude, I'll, I remember the first week one Saints Bucks game. I was watching it, and like the Saints had like a three and out. Then the Bucks went down and scored with no problem. And then the Saints had another three and out, and I like turned it off. I was like, they're going to blow them out. 
and then the Saints ended up winning and obviously better record, but not not the not the better final result. But so the Saints do lose the Bucks in the divisional round, and then the offseason comes and they lose their guy, their quarterback, your guy, Drew Brees. My all time guy, yeah. Off off to retirement, which leaves Jameis Winston with the starting quarterback job. How big do you think the drop-off is from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston? Dare I even ask this question? I have no idea right now because there were plenty of memes going around saying that Jameis Winston, after LASIK eye surgery, would turn into, like, the second coming of Christ. So we'll see what it looks like. But he looked pretty good in the preseason, but that's preseason, so you can only say so much. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously – we know that the talent with Jameis Winston is there. He was, I think he just threw for 5,000 yards the year before he signed with the saints. It was just like 30 he's, picks. He's an elite talent. He's just horrible at making decisions and yeah. was apparently blind. So that didn't help. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, you know, your quarterback can start seeing maybe, maybe he improves a little bit. I do so, like what he recently said. He said, I learned that sometimes I just need to take the check down. I may have all the arm talent in the world, but it's like third and 16. No need to force it when we can just punt them into horrible position with a great defense. Sean Payton has turned him into such a modest person, and I, I love it. Like, Just like you can see the interviews, like this is not a person that you thought was stealing lobster. Like, Where, where did this it, come from? <laughs> It reminds me a lot of Get Out, the way he's been speaking in the interviews. (laughs) It's a little frightening. Um, So they also lose Trey Hendrickson, who was a surprise breakout player last year where he had 12-ish, I think it was 12 sacks, like completely out of nowhere. And then you obviously have him alongside Cam Jordan. They had probably one of the best edge rush duos in the league last year, but you lose that. Anderson goes to Cincinnati as far as production goes one of the best I was gonna say because I I don't think that loss is that heavy I think it's more of the fact oh, yeah. that Cam Jordan was soaking up so much attention that he's bound to shine yeah yeah but I feel like it would have came like the year before like we didn't hear any of this from Trey Anderson the year before but then he just you know goes crazy last year so he gets he goes crazy he gets that money from Cincinnati do I think that he's going to have 12 money. sacks again? Do I think he's going to have 12 sacks again? God, no. Not Especially not with whoever is across from him because the Bengals lost Carl Lawson, who the Jets just lost to an Achilles tear. Um, another offseason issue for the Saints was the Michael Thomas drama where he needed to get surgery and then waited till the end of June to get it. And it's like a four-month recovery. So now Michael Thomas is not playing until week six or seven, I believe was the estimated timetable on his return. Yeah. He's on PUP. Uh, He has to wait six full weeks. Yeah. So, and then there was talk of trading him because the saints are, I mean, rightfully so the saints are pissed because he waited for whatever reason. I don't know if it was like a, you know, like a stand up to the organization thing, or if it was like a personal decision, like I can't, I don't want to get surgery this soon or what it was, but for whatever reason, he didn't get surgery. And now he's going to miss 
almost the first half of the season. So the Saints are pissed. There was talk of trading Michael Thomas. Plus, he's been very outspoken and, you know, what he wants. So I think if he wants a trade, he's going to he's going to say it. Do you think Michael Thomas finishes the season as a Saint? I do, just because I don't know how much trade value he'll have midseason. And it's yeah. they have almost nothing else. They're kind of banking on Marquez Callaway being a surprise breakout receiver. Yeah. At this point, you you can't afford to lose him. Yeah. It, I don't I don't really know how to I don't know how to put this like together because the situation seems so weird. I don't know why you wait to get surgery. Like because he even last year when he was hurt, he was you know fighting the training not physically fighting the training staff but you know trying to get on the field and then he waits to get surgery when he knows the recovery time i don't get it but it's a scotty pippen thing (laughs) yeah he he wanted to enjoy summer he didn't want to have surgery but yeah i don't think they can trade him and if they wanted to they would have done it by now so then that way they can start you know going out grabbing receivers or trading for another receiver because that that receiver room until week seven is probably not probably definitely the worst in the NFL, like not even close. Mm. And it's not. The I can't think still of a suck at receiver. I suppose, but and, tight end and Alvin Kamara alone, and Alvin yeah, Kamara I su- alone I su- is I suppose. A I suppose. wide receiver one. Yeah, you know, first six weeks if you have Kamara, you might you might be. You're either going to be really good or really bad because, you know, we've talked about this on the Fantasy Football Podcast. You and I have talked about this. Kamara's value with someone that isn't Drew Brees is very different than it is with Drew Brees because he doesn't use those checkdowns as much. He doesn't use those timing routes, those precision routes. Uh, And Jameis Winston is not exactly someone I would describe as a timing and precision player. Who else is he going to throw to? (laughs) Marcus Callaway. Come on, man. Yep. Him and Trey Quan Smith, they're going to carry them to the promised yeah. land, apparently. And I and, couldn't even and name Adam you a Trout third receiver on that team. I couldn't either. Ugh, that's a, hmm. um, Troutman's hurt, But too. with the first round – oh, really? First round pick, they take Peyton Turner, uh, D-end, who was kind of a surprise pick. A lot of people had him as a mid to late second, maybe even early third round pick. I wasn't, he wasn't even on like my, cause I, I'm not a super big draft expert, but I kind of know a good deal about everybody in the first two rounds and he wasn't even on my radar. So to see him go at 28 was kind of surprising, but I'm kind of shaky about this because they did this with Marcus Davenport a few years ago where they took, oh, yeah. you know, and they invested a big asset into a potential guy, like a, a project more or less. And it didn't really work out. And it was, you know, a very similar, you know, edge rush, pretty much the same build. But I don't I don't know if I love that pick. But anyway, ceiling floor for the Saints. Ceiling. I'm gonna say 13 wins. They Jameis could be amazing. Floor. I still see them going nine and eight at the worst. They're they are just too good to not go above five hundred. Yeah. Uh, 
see, I might disagree with you a little bit because it, there's a lot of volatility with this team. The same, I have their ceiling at like 13 because the defense is still good. You still have Kamara. You're going to get Michael Thomas back. And if Jameis Winston booms and becomes the player you want him to be, then yes, they could be a 13-win team. They could compete for this division again, as crazy as that sounds, even as good as the Bucks are. Like, But the floor, I've got it at like six. Because let's say Jameis Winston doesn't do very well through those. I Let's say Jameis Winston doesn't do very well through those first through few weeks with Michael Thomas not being there and your best receiver is Callaway and Traquan Smith. Then Sean Payton says, I'm going to put in my golden boy, Taysom Hill. That might work. Gets super, super hectic. Super hectic. And I, I like Jameis Winston's chances of booming. So, you know, I'm probably leaning more towards 13 than I am six. But I think if things get crazy and Taysom Hill comes in, I like their chances a lot worse. I, th- I think if Taysom I do comes think in, they're a- definitely scratching the floor for our predictions more yeah. than they are the ceiling. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so now we move on to the Super Bowl champions and the preseason Super Bowl champions for this next year. From everything that I've heard, this team will never lose. They will never allow a point. They will score every point. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who finished 11-5 and five last year, but that record doesn't exactly tell the whole story as they kind of run through the NFC, which, you know, wasn't exactly a blowout in every game, but till the Super Bowl, in which they beat the Chiefs pretty handily. Is there any argument other than, is there any argument at all for the Super Bowl win not being the best part of the Buccaneers season? Uh, no, not really. I mean, they had a bunch of like minor highlights, like Godwin, Evans, and Brown were all so effective. The defensive line actually looked good again. That front seven is almost literally impenetrable for any running back except apparently Alvin Kamara. So yeah, it it's all just, great for them. Oh yeah, just just doing my due diligence. I figured I'd ask, but the worst. I mean. I did the best part of the saints season was the regular season is the worst part of the Buccaneers season, the regular season. Cause I don't really. The worst part might be that just depends on if Arians tries to implement his system again, rather than Brady run his, because they were clearly a much worse team when it wasn't Brady's play style. I feel like though, I mean, you win the Super Bowl with Brady's play style. I think Arians takes a step back and just lets Tom do his thing the next Let however many years. Quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I guess one thing you could throw in there was the running game, because that's not their strong suit. Mm-hmm. But you know, quite honestly, do you need with this roster a running? Game? Ran for like one seventy in a game too. Yeah. And Fournette had a hundred yards on like ten carries and one another game it's not like they were bad they just didn't oh, yeah. know who was the running back i mean it's hard to pick out a bad with a team like this so i mean i guess you pick out the running game another worst would be the first quarter slashing of their secondary by uh tyree, tyree hill who had fantasy owners and fantasy opponents 
losing their minds for very different reasons. Um, but I, yeah, the regular season, the, the start of their season, is probably when, the, the secondary yeah, is probably the secondary the only, is like, another question one. mark. They're but solid, got, but they're like, nothing all like of, great. All five of their starters, all three corners and both safeties are all on the rookie deals. And they're all, I can't see anything but upwards projections for them because they're also playing behind one of the better front sevens. You know, Shaq Barrett and JPP isn't best, aren't the best edge rushers in the league. But when you've got David and White in the middle, who White could very well be put into that edge category just because of how good he is as a blitzer, you're only going to do well. You just got to play. You know, it's very easy to say as a cornerback, play mistake free, but just do your job. You don't have to be overly great. You don't have to be Deion Sanders, Darrell Revis to be good on this team. So that takes us to the off season where I'm, are you kidding me? They re-signed Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Antonio Brown. The only loss that I could, you know, come up with them having was LaShawn McCoy, their third best <laughs> running back. Who Is they that a loss? Swift, <laughs> yeah, who they, who they swiftly replaced with Giovanni Bernard, who is probably better for what this team once wanted to who, use. Who's the LaShawn worst McCoy human being alive? Oh, well, of course. Worst being alive. Would you like to go over that, or do you just want to leave that with no context? I'll, I'll give a brief description. I was in the fantasy playoffs with him. I had meant to switch him out of my running back spot in the playoffs. And I lost because he put up nothing against the Dallas Cowboys defense. And the guy I was going to put in scored like 20 more points than him. And I lost by like five because of Giovanni Bernard. And I'll never forgive him. And, and what did you say to him? Did you did you send him a message? Oh yeah, I did. Oh my god. I hold up. I need a second to find this. <laughs> I did send him a message. I sent him a threat. I felt like you after that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I didn't I'm send a, him a, a death wish now. like I you did. I can't. I I'm a host now. I can't have this bad publicity. You literally just brought it up last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I wasn't a host. Uh, I think I deleted it. Smart. But it was, it was definitely a threat. <laughs> before the authorities get a hold of it. So, yes, Giovanni Bernard joins this team. He's probably an improvement over LaShawn McCoy, so I wouldn't even call it a loss. They bring back everyone. Everyone. I, I have no words as to how that happened. I thought for sure they were – least going to i thought if anybody went it was going to be godwin just because you've got evans you've got antonio brown and then you've got tyler johnson scotty miller like a couple of guys that yeah a couple of guys that are more than replaceable like more than replacement level players that you can use especially with tom brady there i mean he's going to put the ball wherever you want it i just couldn't believe they brought back literally everyone you've never i've never seen a Super Bowl team not get like picked apart because you know when a team wins a Super Bowl and a player is even if it's not a great player if they're a part of that teams want that like your Jets and Lions will try and grab those players by giving them big money and no one took the bait for lack of a better word I and for a team they drafted, this stack it's shocking 
Yeah, and they're so like there are there have been Super Bowl teams with holes. The Chiefs just a few, they weren't best in the secondary. They didn't have the greatest offensive line. It's much better than it was last year, but like there were holes on the Chiefs. They had the Bucks have really no holes. The only hole that I could really find is at running back, which who cares? You can put in anybody. You can put in Giovanni Bernard. You can put in Philip Lindsay, and he'll do great. He in Tampa he would Bay. roll out there and rush for twelve hundred oh, yards yeah. in that offense. Oh yeah. I mean, he'd roll out of bed. He had two one thousand yard seasons, Jaden. You don't just roll out of bed and do that. God. Oh, we had to do it man. for game. I found, yeah, I found my way onto fantasy TikTok, and I saw one of those things where it's like the best value in fantasy football is a player that's being drafted as RB seventy three, and it's a player who's had two one thousand yard seasons, and it was Philip Lindsay, and I was so disappointed at the end of the video. Um. The Bucks draft Joe Tryon. Yeah. <laughs> they draft Joe Tryon, who wasn't my pick there. I, before he was taken by Jacksonville, I had them going ETN because they have no needs. So I thought, you know, get a dynamic running back like ETN. And I'm sure he probably would have been taken by them had he been there. But Joe Tryon, somewhat like Peyton Turner, wasn't really on my board, but. I'm sure they'll figure out something to do with him. Yeah, I mean, they have an embarrassment uh, of Wills. It doesn't matter what they do with him. Yeah, just, He's just pick there. whoever. They also – I didn't have this down, but I figured this was kind of worthy of note. They did take Kyle Trask from Florida, and I don't know mm-hmm. if he's the Brady replacement. I don't know if he's just a career backup and they're going to look for something else when Brady decides to hang it up, but I just figured that was worthy of on that. Yeah. Uh, ceiling floor, Tampa Bay. Ceiling, seventeen and zero, and by the end of it, probably twenty and zero. But uh, the floor, I don't know if Brady has some weird moments early in the season where he struggles, so they could drop a few. I'm saying like worst possible situation, twelve and five, and that's if it's going very bad at start. I can't, in good conscious even though it's just a ceiling um i can't in good conscience say that they will go undefeated and i i just i don't think that there will ever be another undefeated team unless the nfl gets so much like the nba that and i'm not like shitting on the nba i'm huge basketball fan but like everybody flocks to one team but obviously that's not the case as teams like the jets and the chargers are still awful um, and are not free agent to <laughs> just blankly staring at me. Um, <laughs> but clearly, clearly that's not the case. Is like argument started in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're kind of cutting this podcast a little short. I got to fill out the timestamp now. Um, but teams <laughs> like New York don't get the big free agents, and that is mostly because. They're the Jets. Historically bad. So no, no, no one's going to sign there. Uh, I just don't think we'll ever see another undefeated team. Like this is about Especially as close now to that as you it's can get. Seventeen regular games. It, it's oh rough. yeah. And from what I I didn't really like I I finally this year figured out how they do the schedule. It's always they pick one division from the AFC, one division from the NFC, and then like if you were first, you'll six play the other three divisions. firsts, and then six yeah. in the division. But 
I don't know how they picked that 17th game this year because we like the Steelers play Seattle. Oh, they just we don't did play a random else in the NFC West. Yeah. Because we ended I don't up know who playing the Bucks Vikings. Got. I think we ended up getting the Vikings just for that Herbert versus Justin Jefferson thing because we were both pretty pissed at each other over who would be offensive rookie of the year. And I saw a lot of random Vikings fans come out of the weeds for that. So fuck the Vikings. Yeah, so, right. Um, well, that that Steelers Seahawks game will be a Russell Wilson revenge game because we're probably going to trade for him in the next, you know, couple hours. Um, so that'll be good for football. Okay. So anyway, fun for completely the next <laughs> <laughs> I will come in screaming. Completely off track. Uh, ceiling for the Bucks, sixteen and one. I just, I just can't do it. Floor though, probably thirteen wins. I might be, I might get, I might get shit for this later on in the season. But am I crazy to say, like, as good as the roster is, and obviously Tom Brady is great, but am I crazy to say that the Bucks just got hot at the right time to win the Super? That's how every like, Brady yes, team goes, team. though. Well, yeah, but like. They weren't great throughout the regular season. I know there were other factors in there. They were trying to figure stuff out, but they didn't exactly run through all of their opponents. Like they struggled. They didn't struggle, but Washington gave them a good run for their money. The Saints, it wasn't, I think they scored a touchdown to make it a 10 point lead with like five minutes to go. And then Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers, you know, runs it in or if they kick a field goal, or Kevin King isn't the worst starting cornerback in the NFL. <laughs> he was they, horrible. This could be a this can be a completely different story right now. So I, I again, think that if they catch a team built like the Titans when they beat Brady in his last game as a Patriot, that's just ground and pound heavy, can burn the clock and just catches them off guard for the first two quarters then you might actually see them get upset. But probably the only teams that would be able to do that are teams like the 49ers. They're thinking as you say that, like San Francisco, yeah, but do I trust Trey Lance to go to Tampa Bay and beat Tom Brady in a playoff game? Probably not. Or Jimmy G. Um, Or Jimmy G. I honestly think that by playoff time, it's going to be Trey Lance. I I do think that this – we're getting so sidetracked. I do think this is much closer to a – uh, a Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith situation than a lot of people realize. Like Trey Lance will not start. It's a lot of it's a lot closer to Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith than it is to like Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Even though we haven't seen the result of that yet, yeah. people are banging the table for Justin Fields to start right now. They aren't necessarily doing that in San Francisco yet. But we're about to do the NFC West podcast in the next like twenty minutes, so you will get that fairly soon after if you want to just back-to-back double up and get both divisions done because I'm sure you have limitless amounts of time. That's going to do it for this podcast. Um, Like I just said, we will be doing the NFC West and that should come out very soon after this one. And then we'll have the week one outlook with predictions for the next week. Um, Maybe some fantasy stuff mixed in there. And maybe, maybe award predictions. I don't know, but That'd be a nice um, twist. Yeah. The big surpriser at the end. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, 
that's it. I don't have a closer because I don't ever do this. So. Enjoy the weather. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the weather.